You're listening to The Doctor's Companion, brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. And today on the show, we're going to be talking about the second Doctor story, The Mind Robber. Uh, but before we do that, I want to get into some background significance for this. Um, so this story was written by Peter Ling. Uh, it's his only credit uh, as a Doctor Who writer. Uh, unfortunately, um, especially when you hear what his next story was going to be. <laughs> um, but, uh, he wrote this, uh, or I guess he wrote a proposal on spec called, uh, the fact of fiction and turned it into, uh, Terrence Dix who, uh, or uh, Terrence Dix and, uh, uh, Derek Sherwin and, um, uh, Peter Bryant. Um, and because I think I think Ter- or, uh, uh, Terrence Dix was like he was um, friends with this guy, I think, um, which is why he almost got another story on because this was right before Terrence Dix took over the show. Um, but uh, anyway, so this guy, he wrote this story that was called uh, the proposal called The Fact of Fiction, which is a really cool title. And uh, as much as I like the title, The Mind Robber. The fact of fiction would be a really cool title, um, but uh, so he 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 outlined it for a six part story, um, renamed it Manpower, which is funny. Um, so it was called Manpower in a six part story. Uh, he turned that in. One of the things that he had to do while writing it that I think is interesting is that uh, Victoria, who was the companion right before Zoe. Um, he found out that he would, that she would be leaving the show before his script was produced. So he came up with a generic female companion, uh, name, uh, which was Zoe. And they liked it so much that they were like, uh, we're just going to go ahead and retcon that in. (laughs) Um, so, uh, that's how Zoe got her name, which is interesting. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, Originally, um, the TARDIS was going to just pass through a magnetic storm, um, and that was going to cause it to land and land in the land of fiction. Um, but, uh, the story right before this, the dominators, uh, ended up running short. It got an episode cut. So it was originally going to be six episodes, but they cut it to five. So they pushed that, um, extra episode onto uh, onto uh, this story, and uh, at the same time, manpower had been cut down to four, so then it got an additional episode, so now it's five. So it was originally six, cut down to four, added one to five, and that's how we get that first episode of this, where everything is just on the TARDIS and in a white void, because that was that was what <laughs> that's what they were told. That's what Peter Bryant told. Um, the the script editor uh, Derek Sherwin to do. He was like, he's like, okay, you can have the extra st- the extra episode, but uh, I don't want anything to happen that isn't on the TARDIS or a white void because I can afford a white void, but I can't afford anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote that first episode. Uh, Sherwin did, um, which actually apparently uh, Peter Ling was incredibly annoyed about. Uh, that they just tacked on this first episode. Um, that being said, I, I actually love the first episode, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Um, but yeah, Peter Ling uh, did not write the first episode. And as a result, uh, it's the only episode of Doctor in Doctor Who history that does not have a credited writer. So um, according to the episode and any cr- official credits that you look up for episode one there was no writer of that episode apparently the the actors just thought up all the dialogue on the fly i don't know um 
magically there was no script for that episode. It's incredible. Um, so, uh, so that's, that's, uh, that's pretty much it. Um, you know, the other thing which we we are, we'll get to in, uh, in the story itself, um, is, uh, Fraser Hines, um, he got chicken pox and so that's why he's missing from the second episode. Um, and they came up with this again. This was, this was, uh, this was the uh, script editor Sherwin uh, writing on the fly. Um, he uh, he came up with that idea of like the doctor not being able to put his face together, and then there was a a fake Jamie for a little bit, um, and while uh, while real Jamie got over the chicken pox, which I think is <laughs> really funny, um, really really clever. I have to say, uh, I think that. Derek Sherwin as like a story editor like I look at this at th- this story and I'm just like that's what like he's a really good story editor because that's like because I mean your your job as story editor I would imagine more than anything it like you know you have like two basic jobs one like you know keep the tone consistent right um the other one is just to be a problem solver and this guy, he solved some problems on this story, and he did it to a point where you barely even notice. Um, and I find that really, uh, really interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I didn't. I I didn't realize that about the the first episode because the first episode is so different and it's so interesting and like really good. Yeah. And I didn't know that. I was just like, oh yeah, we just you know have a studio. We right. can't afford props or anything. Just run around. Right. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it was basically like they'd run on a budget, but they still had to turn they still had to turn in, you know, X number of episodes for the season. Yeah. And so they were like, what can we do on $5? Okay. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> White well, we boy. We have a TARDIS? Yeah. And we have an empty studio. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> and a fog machine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so great. I love that. <laughs> um <laughs> So yeah, so that's uh that's that's basically the mind robber. Um I remember this was an episode. This was one of the f- very first like when I was reintroducing myself to to Classic Who cuz I watched it when I was a kid with my dad, but um when I like actually like really started to like hunker down and watch Classic Who, this was one of the early stories that I watched because it was available on Netflix. Um, yeah. And I remember really liking it a lot um but i gotta say watching it this time i'm like this 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 is this is so good this is so good i know uh, i really good i I don't even remember the last time i watched it and i was so impressed like i i remember aspects of it but watching it all like kind of come together and like this is the this is what we're doing with this story it's really so very impressive, and it's so good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So let's uh, let's talk about it. Before we do, I want to remind you that uh, we're sponsored by DCBService.com, the site that lets you pre-order all your monthly comic books and collectibles. A discount your local comic book shop just can't compete with. Use DCBS to place your orders two months in advance and get discounts of 40% off and special discounts up to 50% off. So place an order as big or small as you like and ship monthly, bi-weekly, or weekly with a flat rate shipping of only $6.95 every time an order goes out. So thanks to DCBService.com. Also, InStockTrades.com, the site where you can purchase any hardcover or paperback graphic novel collection that's currently in print at massive discounts of 25 to 45% off. And if that's not good enough for you, check back on Wednesdays for new release specials of 50% off every single week. And remember, all orders over $50 get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com. All right, um, so I think that this story in particular uh, really warrants kind of going episode to episode. Um, I, I think more than a, a lot of uh, a lot of classic who actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like how this story builds episodically. Um, so let's talk about that first episode. And you know what? I I can't believe this is the first time that I've noticed this, but 
right away watching the story, I got, I got, I was like looking at Jamie and Zoe and the way they interact with each other. And I just got a, a major Ron and Hermione vibe. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I don't know what it was about this time as opposed to any other time, but I was just like, oh, Ron and Hermione, look at that. <laughs> no wonder I like those two so much. <laughs> oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Huh. But, um, yeah. yeah, so, uh, one, I really like how these old, these, like, these, the 60s era, specifically, uh, Doctor Who stories, I love how they're so serialized, most of them anyway, are so serialized that not only do the episodes in a story arc linked to each other, but then they, the arcs themselves link to each other as well. Um, cause we're like coming out of the dominators and there's, uh, you know, lava, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> happening, uh, lava that looks a lot like somebody dumped over a milkshake. Um, <laughs> but you know, whatever. Um, uh, I couldn't, I couldn't remember what, story came before this so watching this and just going into like the weird bubble bath ooze i was thinking like seeds of death like like ice warriors and stuff but i'm like wait this this no i oh it's lava oh okay (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so i i do really like that i like how they use that as a uh, as a way to sort of leap into um, getting us to the land of fiction. Mm-hmm. And I I really like the joke or, or like the bit where uh, the doctor's just like, ah, well, we'll be fine. We're in the TARDIS. And Jamie's like, oh, the TARDIS has been lava before? And the doctor's like, well, no. <laughs> He's like, well, how do you know then that the, the that we're gonna be okay if the TARDIS has never been in lava before? And he's like, you know what? That's a good point. Let's get out of here. <laughs> I love my favorite part about this whole first exchange, though, is Zoe and the Doctor are so like scientifically minded that they're like, oh wow, look at this volcano, isn't it beautiful? And Jamie's like, let's go. What are you <laughs> talking about? Like. <laughs> Oh, I love Jamie so much. <laughs> He's great. Um, so so yeah. So the so the doctor um they, they they try to get out of there and they they can't because the the like engines are overheating or some something. Um, and Jamie's just like okay, but there's got to be something we can do. And of course the doctor's like, well, there's one thing I can do, but it's probably not a good idea because it kind of puts us out in the middle of nowhere and. Jamie's just like, well, it's better than being eaten by lava. And he's like, okay, well, all right, I guess so. (laughs) Uh, So they go, they do the thing, and then they end up in the white void. And I, uh, I just, I just think that this is like really cool because it's so, it's just such an ethereal like episode. Um, because it kind of it, – it's a lot like what, – what is that – what is that uh, the two-parter? Is it Edge of Destruction? Yes. Yeah. The two-parter from uh, the first Doctor's tenure where it's a two-part bottle episode. Um, it's a, This episode is a lot like – it feels a lot like what that was trying to do but didn't succeed completely. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas like this is just – it's uh, just perfect. Um I love that the white void like calls to them and they go out there and like they see whatever they want to see in the white void. Like mm-hmm. that that shot of like Jamie just like staring at the white void and seeing the Scottish Highlands and it's just like <laughs> fading in and out of, of uh or dissolving in and out of like the Scottish Highlands and his face. Like Yeah. <laughs> so great. Uh I With, love like that. the bagpipe music. Yeah. <laughs> He's just on cloud nine. Um, so, uh, so yeah. So I also love the effect of like when, um, when Jamie and, uh, Zoe are both out in the void and the doctor goes and gets them and they're, they're like suddenly in like white versions of their clothes. Mm -hmm. Um, I just think that that's like, I don't know. 
It's the sort of thing that feels kind of ahead of its time because it doesn't it's it's a storytelling device that I wouldn't think that they would think of in the 60s. I don't know. Yeah. It feels it very modern. Me, yeah, it kind of reminds me of um Kinda or Snake Dance with Tegan's hallucinations and yeah. The, yeah. But yeah, this is like 20 years before that. So Right. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so I really like all of that, and then uh, and then of course there's the amazing cliffhanger in which the TARDIS explodes, and yeah. they're just hanging on to like the console, like floating into the ether. Um, what an amazing cliffhanger that is! Because I imagine like you know watching that back in 1968 and knowing that there's not going to be an episode for a week. <laughs> you know, and just like watching yeah. and just being like, what? Um, like, I can't, I can't even imagine. Like, that's, that's a great cliffhanger. <laughs> and it's not, it's not, it doesn't feel like cheap or forced either. It's just like, oh, this is a thing that's happening and it's terrifying and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It really feels like something big is happening. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. Um, any other thoughts on episode one? Um, no, I think we covered it all. All right. It's really good, you guys. It's it is really, really good. good. <laughs> um, so episode two, uh, the TARDIS, or I guess not the TARDIS, but everybody in the TARDIS, um, <laughs> land in this, uh, this area that looks a lot like, uh, kind of woods or like what a, what an abstract painter in the sixties would <laughs> paint to look like woods um just like it's just like this like kind of blank area with a bunch of like tall objects around um that kind of look like trees but they don't have leaves i don't know it's hard to explain Mm -hmm. um it's like uh i don't know i don't know (laughs) um so anyway uh so so jamie gets attacked by something and then turned into a cardboard person um, like a cardboard cutout, which is fun. Uh, we meet the man that's behind all of this, uh, called the master, but not that master. Uh, <laughs> he's, uh, some other kind of master, but it's funny how I, this is, this is obviously, this is like, what is this? Three, three, four years before the master would make his first appearance. Yeah. Um, and this guy is being shot in this sto- in this episode and the next episode. This guy is being shot very similarly to the way the master is shot in like de- like Gooey Master and Deadly Assassin and uh, 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 what is that other story? Uh, the one right before Legopolis. Um, oh, um, Keeper of Trocken. Yeah, Keeper of Trocken. He's, he's shot very similarly where you're just kind of seeing his hands and he's like watching the doctor and video screens and stuff mm-hmm. and then like talking to himself. <laughs> it's very mastery for not actually being the master. That's, that's what all creepy villains do, Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess if, <laughs> if Inspector Gadget has taught us anything. Right? Yeah. All bad guys. <laughs> um. And then, uh, and then the doctor is accosted by what I like to call the Riddler Kid Gang. Um, just a bunch of Riddlers, just, <laughs> just like really, and just like not even le- allowing the doctor to answer most of the riddles. They're just yeah. asking him a bunch of riddles, and uh, the doctor is is trying. They're just bullies. These kids, <laughs> they're just bullies. Doesn't um doesn't Gulliver show up too? Yeah. Yeah. Except we don't know he's Gulliver yet. Yeah. But this very suave dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this one dude shows up and he's very he's is very suave and he's on a adventure, a journey of some sort. A travel, if you will. <laughs> um So uh so yeah, so okay, so so uh the doctor gets away from the from the riddle kids and uh has to play pin the face on the Jamie um 
which okay so he does this right and i understand that the whole purpose the whole point of this was to get uh uh fraser hines off the set for a week so he could get over the chicken pox but i just i just watched this scene every time i watched it i'm like i'm like why would you why why would you build his face on his face like why wouldn't you do that on the thing where all like on the board with all the other parts and like try and figure it out first before yeah. you put it on his face <laughs> well it's it's so funny because he's so sure of himself and then it's like oh no and then it turns into other jamie right who's actually quite charming yeah guy does a really good fraser hines impression <laughs> <laughs> There were like there were there were some moments where like when when Zoe sees him, he's just like, "Who's this?" And he does that thing where he's like, "Oh, come on, the doctor's already given me enough garbage about this," <laughs> and he's just so nonchalant about it. I just I was like, "I like this guy." <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, so we we meet replacement Jamie and uh, and then they get uh, attacked by a unicorn, <laughs> a deadly unicorn uh apparently one of uh, apparently jamie has seen cabin in the woods that's the only explanation <laughs> because he is terrified of this unicorn well i mean if a unicorn was running at me i i'd be a little scared yeah but it is a powerful majestic creature <laughs> uh so, uh, is is episode two or is that is this an episode three when Jamie uh, climbs to the top of one of those things and realizes that they're all letters? That's no, I think words. that's episode three. That's episode three. We have our Jamie back. Oh, is that our Jamie? Yeah, oh, okay. I believe so. So, uh, so yeah, so in episode three, Jamie gets turned back into cardboard, and then Zoe has to. Then Zoe is just like, "Oh, this is what happened. You." got his face wrong and she's like well i know what his face looks like and i'm like i bet you do zoe i bet you do um so so zoe zoe helps the doctor put uh, put uh jamie's face together correctly and then uh and then they figure out the words thing and how like all these things that look like trees are actually like giant words and if you get up high enough you can like read them and they're they're saying stuff like sayings mm-hmm. um and uh then they get separated and zoe and the doctor uh meet a minotaur um but uh just like with the unicorn cliffhanger uh the minotaur like all the doctor has to do is say hey zoe it's not real and she's like what no, it is real. Just say it isn't real. It isn't real. And then it stops being real. <laughs> um, so so that's how they get out of the Minotaur thing. Gulliver shows back up. And we find out that he's that he's Gulliver. Uh, as in Gulliver's Travels. And that's when uh, the doctors uh, suggest that they might be in a land of fiction. It's like, we're, they're all fictional characters. Everything here is fiction. It's a land of fiction. And then Zoe... <laughs> Zoe says, then what are we doing here? And I just and I just wait for them both to like look at the camera. <laughs> and that's the cliffhanger. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would have been incredible. <laughs> what are we doing here? Da, and then we da, and then da. and then that's that's it. That's and then that's the end of the story. Like <laughs> you just move on to the next serial, like this never happened. Oh my god. <laughs> That would have been so good. <laughs> oh man, ah, that's good. Um, no, I just I love that line because I was just like, man, that is. I mean, this story gets gets meta, but only to a certain extent. Except for that line. That line, mm-hmm. like, that line crosses something. <laughs> Where I just they're like they're like flirting with the fourth wall. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, we're just gonna touch it, I guess, and then we're gonna go on our way. Oh, it's but... so good. I love that. Um and then they uh and then they get attacked by uh Claymation Medusa. <laughs> and that's the cliffhanger because for some reason 
For some reason, the doctor's just like, no, seriously, we've gone through this two times before. It's not real, Zoe. And she's like, it is real. It's touching me. I know it's real. And he's like, okay, well, don't look at it. And she's like, I have to look at it. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and then that's the cliffhanger. <laughs> I have to look at it. <sighs> oh, I man. Know. I... I was going to say that one of my um, things that I'm not a big fan of is Zoe in this episode. Not, like, her, like, acting or whatever, but she just gets so hysterical for, like, no reason. I don't know. Um, But then I was thinking about it, and, like, back in episode one, where they're in the void and they get accosted by, like, the weird robots and they turn white and stuff... Um, I was thinking that maybe they, when this happens in episode one, Jamie and Zoe, because they were caught, are kind of transitioning into, like, being fictional. Oh. Um, so when, like, the climax is happening, the doctor's able to, like, because they already are, but, like, I, I don't know. That's, like, my one kind of loophole explanation for why Zoe is being so dumb right now. Yeah. Um, cause she, she, she's, she's almost like, she's almost a part of this world. So it's almost, it's almost real to her. So it takes her longer for her to figure out that, Oh no, no, the doctor's right. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. I like that. It's good. Nice. <laughs> yeah, let's roll with that. Sweet. Um, so episode four. Uh, so okay, during that whole during that whole like Medusa thing, and when they find Medusa, it's because they're like walking around in a cave. Um, the Doctor and Zoe. Well, Jamie has gone on his own adventure, and has found <coughs> has found this uh, castle that he's like walking around in. Um, that doesn't look at all like a castle on the inside but it is on the outside um and he's walking around he finds a uh like a ticker tape and the ticker tape is writing a story and he's just like oh let me just start reading this out loud (laughs) (laughs) and he just does and then what he's reading is what's happening to the doctor and zoe so that in episode four he's still reading it out loud and uh the doctor and zoe like outsmart it outsmart the Medusa or whatever or the doctor I guess finally convinces Zoe not to look at look at Medusa or no he pulls out that mirror and he's like just look at her through this this is fine he's like she's like oh okay now I can look at it and it's okay all right good um I guess she feels better uh <laughs> and so so ja- when Jamie gets to that part of the story on his ticker tape <laughs> it just starts saying like spouting off like like uh can't compute like malfunction garbage and he yeah. just he just like ugh and he just throws it down <laughs> <laughs> who wrote this yeah who wrote this <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because he was really into the story and then that happened he's just like yeah well i'm done that's what i get for reading <laughs> um so uh so then Zoe and the doctor come out of the cave and they're attacked by this guy named Carcass, who's just a dude with padded muscles and a mask, who apparently uh, uh, Peter Ling uh, based off of uh, Batman because the, uh, you know, the 60s Batman series was like really big oh. and he was like. He hated it and thought it was stupid, <laughs> so he 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 made this uh, crack this carcass character based off of like the Adam West Batman. Um, obviously that note didn't go to the actor who was playing it because he's playing it the role like a weird Mexican wrestler or something. Yeah, um, <laughs> I don't know, but uh, yeah, is he supposed to? He's supposed to not have a shirt on, right? That's what's going on. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I I don't know. It's hard to tell. Right. 
It's just, he doesn't have it's nipples, like a, so it's like a really terrible Halloween costume. It is. It's like it's like those little kid uh, Halloween like superhero costumes with like the sculpted yeah. muscles. Yeah, with like the Hulk or something. Right. Yeah. And you're just like, <laughs> uh, kid, you're not supposed to have muscles. You're a kid. Stop it. Um, creeps me out. It really does. Um, <laughs> so they fight that guy, and Zoe wins, which is the best. She just like throws him down. I know, and normal. then like <laughs> it makes him say "uncle," like it's crazy. <laughs> um, and then he becomes their slave because that's how that works. <laughs> um, he's like, "You won. I'm your slave now." And I'm like, "Oh, okay, all right." That's the only real fights work like that. I think I think it's funny that that's based off Adam West Batman because it's kind of like. It's kind of like those those sixties thing, like, oh, this is what it's gonna be in the year two thousand, and he's supposed to be like this big comic book character. So I guess that's what Peter is. This this is what I think of your comics, kids. Yeah, have this guy. He's gonna he, be around in yeah, they, forty years. <laughs> it's so funny because they say he's from the year two thousand. Yeah, but it's like it's like oh, if you had just said if you had just said nineteen ninety two, you would have been perfect. That's exactly. <laughs> What all heroes from 1992 look like. <laughs> it would have been perfect. <laughs> oh, the uh, guy, he looks like a Rob Liefeld creation, this guy. Yes, he really does. Yeah. With, like, the giant chest. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the giant chest, like, and the just disproportionate everything. If only he had, oh. like, a bunch of pouches. <laughs> it would have been perfect. <laughs> he has, like, this weird Zorro mask. It's... It's bizarre. It's so bizarre. <laughs> um, so at this point, uh, the doctor uh, and the, the, well, the doctor ends up finding the master, um, who is actually not the master. He's the fiction controller, the land of fiction controller, um, and he is old and he wants to be replaced, and he wants the doctor to replace him because the doctor will, like, live for, well, well, a lot longer than just some human guy. Um, and so, like, you have to, he has to be connected to the, to the, to the master, like, the master brain, which is, like, this globy thing. It looks kind of like the, one of those balloons, like, the big balloons with the little balloons inside of it. Yeah. It kind of looks like that. Um. It's a real decorative piece, this master brain. And uh, so it's connected to the old guy and it's trying to convince the doctor to replace the old guy um, because the old guy isn't – He's they're just using his imagination essentially to keep the land of fiction together. Um, but I do find it – I think it's interesting because there's that moment where – uh, the doctor says something about like, oh, you need a human because of their imagination, or you need humans because of their imagination, and it really, it really, I don't know, the 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 talk back and forth between the two characters really comes off as the the doctor is considering himself human. Mm-hmm. In a weird, like, in a way that I was like, oh, right. Like, just this, like, slam of reality of, like, oh, this was before he was an alien. Huh. I don't know. Or, like, I don't know. Because I think he was always supposed to be an alien, but they haven't really gone into the specifics of what he is. Right. So he's just some crazy dude with a box. Right. Um, but I don't know. I thought during their conversation at one point, they say like human or at least human like. So I think that that's where they're coming from. Oh, okay. But I don't know. Well, the doctor is like, I'm not going to do that because I've got better things to do than to sit here with a plug in my head. (laughs) Um, and, uh, and the master controller is like, oh, okay, well, we're just going to go ahead and, uh, take your friends away and he's like what and then you go to the robots and they've got Zoe and and they've got Zoe and uh and Jamie and they they've just like stuck them in a book in a giant book and they close the book <laughs> and they're like oh no the book is closing yeah, and then the book closes and that's the cliffhanger <laughs> it's 
It's supposed to be symbolic. Oh, it's so goofy. <laughs> I really, I really, honestly, I think that this story would be better. At, uh, you know, outside of like obviously the first episode, I think mm-hmm. everything after that would probably be better without the cliffhangers. Like if you could edit out the cliffhangers, yeah, I think the story would flow a lot better because these are not the best cliffhangers outside of that first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Or they're uh, they're kind of sad, really. Like, oh no, we're getting close to book. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> um, so uh, the fifth episode, which I don't know if you noticed this, but the fifth episode is actually filmed on thirty-five millimeter. Oh, I didn't notice. Yeah, um, nice. it's really nice looking. Um, but uh yeah it was it was filmed on uh on 35 millimeter instead of videotape um so explains why that episode looks so good yeah um but uh yeah so that happens and then Zoe so Zoe and Jamie so like it's not even a cliffhanger really because we come back and it's happened and it doesn't get stopped from happening like Zoe and Jamie are now characters of fiction because they got closed inside of a book and or I guess there's like fictional versions of Zoe and Jamie, I guess is probably more accurate. Um, mm-hmm. And they the doctor runs away onto the roof and then they they come out to the roof and they're like, oh, come on, let's get in the TARDIS. He's like, oh, you found the TARDIS. And they're like, we sure did. Let's go. And then they get in the TARDIS and then they're like, ah, we tricked you. And now the, the doctor's like. He like walked into like a flat version of the TARDIS, and then he ended up in a box. <laughs> and then all then out of nowhere, like the ri- the riddle kids like pop up, and they just start laughing at him too. <laughs> Their faces like pressed up against the glass. Yeah. Like really? I know. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so he goes and uh, and and gets like hooked up to the master brain along with the the master controller guy. And then they have, like, a battle of wills where they're, like, both making up stories. And uh, it's, like, this fiction versus fiction kind of thing, which is so funny because they're doing it like a chess match because they're taking turns instead of, like, Mm -hmm. trying to talk over each other. Yeah. (laughs) They, like, take turns, which I I think is really funny. Um, But uh, it's really awesome. And then you get to a point where they have characters. They have... uh, uh, De Bergiac, whatever Sergio De Bergiac. How do you? Oh, Cyrano De Bergiac. Yeah, Cyrano, Cyrano De Bergiac. Um, and uh, and who was the original character that he was fighting? Oh, um, D'Artagnan from Musketeers. Right. So they're they're sword fighting, and then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, De Bergiac is replaced. Like and the the the, the uh, master controller is like, oh, I'm going to replace Debergiac with Blackbeard, the pirate, and then the doctor's <laughs> like, I'm going to replace the musketeer guy with uh, with uh, Lancelot in full arm, full body armor, and on a horse. And it's just it's it's madness, and it's incredible. It's so good. Oh, it's so good. Like it's so imaginative for an, uh, a story from 1968. Like. Mm-hmm. Uh, like to to a point where I I just look at this and I'm like this is this is modern storytelling like I'm I'm so impressed especially with this last episode like my mm-hmm. favorite episodes I think for me were the first and the last um, part one and part five are the two best ones uh, and this is just this is so good like them sword fighting and changing out the characters like that's so good I wish they'd done it like one more time. Um, yeah, and it just gotten crazier. Like <laughs> it just slowly escalated yeah. until you had like dinosaurs. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so good though, so good. Um, and then, uh, and then you know, they they defeat the bad guy when Jamie and Zoe push their way back out of the book, go down to the room, and then they just start pushing buttons until something blows up. <laughs> I mean, that's. They're just like, ah, oh, let's just push the buttons. And they just push buttons until the brain, like, overloads. And then the doctor releases that old guy. And the old guy's just like, whoa, what's going on? Why am I so old? Um, <laughs> he's been up there for a while. And then uh, everything's good. They leave. Uh, which is uh, cool. I don't know. It's a really good story. Really good. It is. 
Um, and it's not, like, easily, like, the standout episodes are, like, the first and the last one, but it's not, like, the other three in between drag or anything. No. Like, they're really they're really well-paced, and there's, like, memorable moments in each episode, so it's, like, it goes along really well. Yeah. They're also yeah. shorter episodes, which helps, yeah. I think, too. Um, they're all, like, 20 minutes or under. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's a really, it's really good. It's really good. And I just, you know, for all of their cost cutting, I'm really impressed with what they were able to pull off, I think. Because mm-hmm. um, that, honestly, the castle looks good. Yeah. I mean, for the, I mean, really, like, I mean, you know, you could, you could, it's like the perspective of the castle is really well done. Because obviously it's done mm-hmm. with like, Matte paintings and like cardboard in the background and stuff, but right. it's done really well. Um, there are times like there's moments like when um, Jamie and Zoe are like going through that library, and the library is obviously just painted books on walls. <laughs> Which I mean, that doesn't look great. Um, also, is it just me or was the is the TARDIS like looking super shabby in this story? Well, I mean, it just blew up. So no. <laughs> <laughs> well, because normally like, in the Hartnell era, they have like the 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 circle, the dishes or whatever in the background. Yeah. And then and this, they have those, but they're not physical; they're painted on. Oh, they're painted on. Yeah. Huh. And I'm like, why did you change change it to that? Like, what's wrong <laughs> with the other TARDIS? I don't know. It's a weird choice. But uh, the the other thing I like about the inside of the castle too, it doesn't look like generic spaceship set. Yeah, it looks it looks it looks alien, but it's not like weird aluminum everywhere. It's like white, so it kind of matches like the void and the robots and stuff. I like that. Yeah, a lot. That is Cause, good because you know what I mean, like that generic spaceship look that everyone has in like every other really bad episode. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, uh, it, it, yeah, it is actually, those, those sets do actually look quite good. They really do. Um, mm-hmm. I love this story. I could watch this anytime. I really like it a lot. Yeah. Um, this is, this is a really good story to introduce someone to classic who. Yeah. Oh, you want to see some madness? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We didn't even talk about Rapunzel. Oh yeah. Yeah. She's just like, are you a prince? No. Are you a farmer's son? No. Yeah. You should probably just go then. Yeah. (laughs) So good. She's so jaded. She's like, yeah, I guess you can use my hair. Everybody else does. (laughs) And I love that moment where she's like, ow. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, I'm just kidding. Everybody does that. (laughs) Not a big deal. I'm used to it. (laughs) Oh, that's good. I also really like Gulliver because he just keeps turning up, and I don't know. He doesn't do anything. That's what's so funny. I know, but it's it's he he just he literally could just quotes Gulliver's travels, and it's just I I think it's really charming. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh man, this is the ah this one's so good. It's and I and I you know what I love I think more than anything is it's not your typical Doctor Who story, like, as far as from this era, like, it's not, it's it's very atypical in that mm-hmm. there's not, like, there's a villain, but it's really, like, mysterious, and there's, like, there's, like, a long-form mystery being t- built toward, you know? Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, you, you just go from, like, just knowing nothing to knowing a little bit to knowing a little bit more, and then you get every, then you get everything, and then, like, the the really sort of, even the most generic part of this, which is, you know, the Doctor fights the bad guy, isn't even done generically because it's, like, it's done in the most imaginative way possible. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just really impressed with this story. I think this is, it's definitely my fa- my favorite second Doctor story. It's, it, yeah, it's it's up there for me. I think... I'm really attached to Tomb of the Cybermen, so I think that one's my favorite. But this one is like definitely like top three Troughton. Oh yeah, because everything about it is just so. Because you have like Jamie and Zoe, and they're super iconic, and you have I don't know. It's just, everything about this just works in such a way that it's 
really, really wonderful. Absolutely. Um, what was what was his what was Peter Ling's other story going to be? Oh right, yeah. No, he was going to do another story in which uh, the TARDIS crew ended up in a in a world where time ran backwards. What? Yep. That's awesome. I know. I know. Wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, it would have been cool. Why did that get cut? Now I'm upset. Um, because uh, they thought it was going to be too complicated or something like that. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. They should, like, was it, it was just like a proposal and then it wasn't like a script or anything? Yeah, no. It was just a proposal. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, and, uh... It would have been done during the obviously, obviously, because this is the second Doctor's final season. It would have been done during the third Doctor's era. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, land of that's so cool. Land of uh, time running backwards. Big Finish should like adapt that and do like a story with that because that's really cool. <laughs> I know, so good. Um, I'm trying to see if I have. Where that note is that I had for that, I think. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. It was. Uh, let's see. Um, land where time ran backwards, and it was ultimately abandoned due to its complexity. Oh. Yeah. Um. And then they did. And then Ling and Hazel Adair collaborated on a story called Hex about the queen of the bee-like hexagorians kidnapping British scientists, but uh, it never made it onto the schedule. Aww. Yeah. Mid-80s, so that would have been Sixth Doctor. Yes? Yes. Yeah. Huh. Well, there you have it. Hmm. (laughs) So, uh, man... It's a bummer that Ling only wrote this one story, but I know it's a really good one. It reminds me of um, Enlightenment and how that writer only wrote that one story, and I'm like, really? Yeah. Well, at least, right. although at least in her case, she did only write one story, but there was only like, you know five seasons left in the show yeah that's true (laughs) (laughs) before it was gone forever so she she you know she didn't have that much of a chance left whereas this guy i mean he had the whole world ahead of him yeah he never got another story made sucks that sucks ah man well all right (laughs) that's the mind robber uh great story peter ling great writer Wish you'd done another one. Um, good stuff. Uh, God, land the time ran backwards. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> such a bummer. <laughs> Big finish should they should do a story like that? And have like Paul McGann or something. Yeah, I wonder if Pete. I wonder if Peter Ling is still alive. I don't know. Look him you should up. get permission from him. Well, just let him write it. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> let me see here. Peter Ling died in 2006. Aww. Uh Alzheimer's. That's sad. That is sad. Uh, lived to 80, though. Could be worse. Yeah. It's, it's a pretty full life, 80. Not bad. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so anyway. Um, yeah. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's the mind robber. Um, if, uh, by the way, guys, if you've never seen Classic Who or if you've been afraid to check out, like, the black and white ones, honestly, I think this is a great story to start out with on, uh, the black and white stories. Um, cause it's, you know, each episode is, is paced really well pl- and they're short. Mm-hmm. Um, they really build off of each other in a really, in a really good way. It doesn't feel repetitive at all, like ever. 
Um, well, except for except for maybe the the unicorn and the Medusa cliffhangers, <laughs> um, and the Minotaur. Uh, but you know, rule of threes, right? And it, this yeah. it's it's a story about fiction, so rule of three. I'll give it to him. <laughs> it's fine. There you go. Um, so uh, so check this out. It's on Netflix. Um, it's uh, one of the only Trout and stories they have on Netflix. I think they only have like two. Um, I think it's like this and two with the Cybermen, which is just like, oh, okay, just, <laughs> just. I don't even. I don't even know if they have two because it goes from like the Aztecs to like this story, and then it's like a Pertwee episode. Oh, did they so take two of like, Cybermen down? I don't know. Oh, that's but a bummer. But if they did, that's really sad. Yeah, they used to be up. Um, huh. All right. Um, so this might be the only second Doctor story that's up there, but oh, it's my favorite. I think it's yeah, I think it's a good one. It's a really it's good, a good one. one to have up there. Um, so uh, so check this out if you uh, if you want. It should be it should be up on all of it should be. I think it's up on all of like the streaming services. So if you don't have Netflix, it's on Amazon and it's on Hulu Plus too. Mm-hmm. I think so. Uh, so ch- definitely check out the Mind Robber. It's a good one. Um. All right. If you have thoughts you want to share on uh, the Mind Robber, find the post of this episode on the doctor's companion.us and leave a comment or you can send us an email tdcpodcast gmail.com if you're on twitter follow us at tdcpodcast so you'll know the second a new episode hits or you can follow our personal accounts i'm at scott corelli and cassandra is at Darkhearted rose if you like the show do us a favor and leave us a review on itunes and of course most importantly be our street team get out there and tell people about us uh, even though New Who isn't on the air, we are still making episodes. Um, I know, I know you probably didn't think we were there for a little bit, um, but we're back now. Life happens. Life happens. <laughs> we're back now. <laughs> um, all right. So just as a reminder of, uh, episodes coming up next week, we'll be talking with Michael Nixon. Uh, we'll be talking about the seventh doctor story, love and war, which is a big finish adaptation of the Paul Cornell novel. It's uh, the it's specifically it's the novel. It's the first Doctor Who novel that Paul Cornell wrote. Uh, so it's kind of what put him on the map. Oh, cool. So uh, so we'll be talking about that next week, which should be good. Um, Michael Michael Nixon, he uh, he he did it extra. He did some extracurricular. He actually read the novel, too. Oh, um, good. Good. for Yeah. Him. So he's he's ready to go. Um, so we'll be talking to him next week. Uh, then after that, Boomtown with Nick Jimenez, and then Cassandra will be back to talk about Terror of the Autons. So, uh, good stuff coming up. Yes. Good stuff. All right, we will, uh, or I guess I will, Cassandra will be here. Um, <laughs> I'll talk to you next week, uh, when we talk about love and war. Bye! Bye!